friends, welcome to worship with us. We're so excited to be back in the building. Stand up and worship with us. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. The walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you call out, turn back to darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Those who came in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still. Jesus' name. 
Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to gather here, Father God, because today was a day that was promised to none of us, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to gather here together in the knowledge that none of us have it together, Father God, and that is why we need you. We pray that you let us hear what you have for us to hear from you today, Father God, through this music, Lord, through the message from the pastor, Father God. Just fill us with your Holy Spirit, Father God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your unconditional love, Lord Jesus. Please let us feel that throughout today and the whole week. In your mighty name we pray, amen. wonderful summer out at the park and last week at the fair and we just thank you all for joining us at those venues as well. Um, my name is Wendy Ellsworth and this is Laura Ellsworth and we're so excited that, you jo that you're joining us for worship this morning. If it's your first time worshiping with us, in front of you in the pew is the connect card. We hope that you fill that out. That's a way that we can get prayer requests or um, find out anything, any way that we can serve you. Um, it's also at the link on the screen. 
And if you'd like to give an offering, we don't pass the plate, but we do have offering boxes at the front of um, the sanctuary here, or there's a link online to give as well. We just thank you for continuing to give in this faithful way. Now a few important announcements. We are going to Kenya. After 12 years in the making, we are so excited to officially announce that in June of 2024, we will be joining our missionaries for our first mission trip to Kisumu, Kenya. If you joined us for worship in August, you heard our missionaries, Holly and Fred Okoth, speak about on heaven as it is on earth. We are excited to be able to share, to see what God has done through Good News Maguina Academy in the village and at their church, and be the hands and feet of Jesus as we serve alongside Holly and Fred next summer. I am so excited to share that I will be the team leader for this trip. There There will be an informational meeting in two weeks between services on Sunday, September 24th at 9.30 downstairs in the green room. Until then, feel free to check out the website linked in the QR code on the screen or in your bulletin for information on how you can apply online to join our mission team or support the trip. Our deadline to apply for the, for the mission team is October 15th. If anyone has any questions, I will be outside of the welcome area next to Pastor Tom's office at the end of the service and would love to talk to you. Kenya, here we come. Awesome. We are so excited and we just hope that you um, pray about that and consider applying and joining the team to go to Kenya. Um, Another announcement, this Wednesday at 11 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall will be our next um, generations meal and gathering. So whether you're a senior or retired or just young at heart, we hope that you can join us for that wonderful fellowship and meal um, over the lunch hour. And it's an opportunity to just reconnect with friends old and new. So join us. This month's theme is All Things Fall. And there's no need to RSVP for that. You can just show up whenever you want. (laughs) Okay, and then today after worship, we are blessed to have a free pancake breakfast being served all morning in the Fellowship Hall. Please be sure to thank Justin Piccolo and the team of volunteers serving us a wonderful meal this weekend, which even includes a Bears-themed fruit Hmm, interesting. Let's give Justin and his team a round of applause. You probably smelled the delicious sausage and pancakes on your way in. Amazing. And we'd like to invite Pastor Tom up. Awesome. Can we thank Wendy and Laura for sharing announcements? My name is Tom. I am the pastor here. And um, I I wanted to just add, Laura said that there is bear-themed fruit. There's also packer-themed fruit. I have not yet gone down to see what that is. So I'm just going to assume that the packers-themed fruit are lemons. And the bears are oranges. Go bears! Go Packers! Uh, we are an equal opportunity church, and so um, we're just so glad that all of you are here. And um, another announcement that I want to share with you um, before we get into God's word here this morning, just kind of shifting gears a little bit, um, I want to thank uh, Jennifer Remus and her husband Matt and our worship team for leading us in worship. Um, Angel Fisher, our contemporary worship leader, her and her husband Jason and their two children are here with us this morning, and 
And um, many of you, if you're on our prayer chain, may have been praying um, for Angel's mom, Bobby. Um, she's been sick for a very long time and uh, has been on hospice for the last several months. And just a few days ago, she went home to be with Jesus. And so um, on behalf of our entire church family, I just want to invite you to surround them with love. Um, this weekend as they're mourning this great loss, even as they're celebrating. Um, she, Bobby is her name, and she had an incredible faith. Um, any of you who are here, even though they weren't members of our church, they would come for worship, and uh, we're at the Generations gatherings and those kinds of things. We know where she is, um, but our prayer is that the same peace and healing that she is in the midst of in full would surround Angel and Jason and their children in their time of need. So please keep them in your prayers. Um, also, I want to just remind you that we are here together. Um, we are not alone. Um, and so as we open up God's word, let's remind ourselves that we are in community by turning to the people around us and saying good morning and then taking out our Bibles. At this time, would you take out your Bible? If you didn't bring a Bible, take the one out in front of you in the pew. And if you don't own a Bible, the one in front of you is our gift to you. Every Bible here um, is, is a Bible that has been purchased for those who don't yet have a Bible um, through the Dwayne Arnold Bible Fund, a young man uh, that we honor his life in who received a Bible here at St. John's at the same invitation I'm extending to you. So please take out the Bible. You are going to need it today, and you're going to need it for the rest of this series as we open up to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth, when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being." Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back in 2018, right, leading into the Olympics, NBC used a song. The title was Made for This. is by a Christian brand. I think they just broke up last year. Um, the name is Carlton. And I thought, since we're at the beginning of a new football season for many of our favorite team today, um, and, and also that it kind of relates to the reading that we're going to read today, I'd play for you just a minute of this song, Made for This, Let's watch. Well, that'll come later. We'll go back to the video. <laughs> I take a breath I'm not gonna lose. This is what I came here to do. I walk that wire and I take that step. Won't look down, got no regrets. Amen, right? That in the coffee, if there's a song to get you pumped up on Sunday morning, it was that one, right? Whether you're watching the Olympics or football or whatever it is, it's the perfect song because I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I think most of us love watching sports is because we get to watch someone in their element doing what they were made to do. And so we go to the next slide that you got a little preview of just a second ago. I grew up in Illinois during the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan era. Do I have any friends here who were a part of that as well, or Bulls teams? Okay, a lot of you, so that's, that's good. So I, I'll never forget watching him and just thinking, he was made for this, right? Maybe not made to stick his tongue out while he did this, but, you know, that was his thing too. And they even, they worked off of that feeling that you got watching watching him in marketing, like for Gatorade, for example. Do you remember the, the little Gatorade commercials that they used to play? It was Be Like Mike, Drink Gatorade. Does anybody remember that? Now, I drank a lot of Gatorade, and I'm still only five foot ten. <laughs> it, it didn't quite work. I was never very good at basketball, but the marketing did work. Because they knew that deep down, everyone has a desire not just to watch what other people are doing as what they were made to do, but we all want to know the answer to the question, what are we made for? And so today, we're going to grapple with that question. We're going to grapple with that question, not just today, but throughout this entire series that we're beginning. And it starts today, and it's nine months long. Not the sermon, the series, just so you know. Um, but it's something we're calling the big 
picture. And since we're in the first week, I want to give you a little bit of an explanation on this because it's a really exciting thing that we've never done here before. This is a nine-month series. It's going to be broken up into all these other series. You can see them in the boxes there. So you might not even know you come in that you're part of something bigger. But starting today, if you begin now and you go all the way through May of next year, every Sunday we are going to take you on a journey, on a tour through the overarching narrative of the Bible. We're going to start today at the very beginning in creation, and then we're going to see the brokenness that requires a Savior to come, the longing for that Savior. When the Savior was born, Jesus, we're going to go through his life and his teaching and his miracles, his death and his resurrection, and then by the end, we are going to be in the early first generation church. It's something that is technically referred to as the narrative lectionary. It was refer it was developed by a seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, you know those Viking fans, um, Luther Seminary, and it's used by churches in all different traditions all around the world. So it's kind of cool that we are aligned with a bunch of people that we don't even know reading the same story. And so that's the big picture. But today we're drilling down to the first part, which is Genesis. And the word Genesis literally means beginning. And we're asking the question, what are we made for? Because we are going to find the answer in the reading that we read just a minute ago. We are made for not one thing, but five things that actually ultimately lead to one single thing. And I want to list those off and show you where they are in our reading. And that's why it's so important that you have your Bible in front of you. So let's dive in again to Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, This is the account of the heavens and the earth, when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, if you've ever read the Bible, maybe even if you've heard of this, you know probably that, that the creation story is in Genesis. And when you think of the creation story, how many of you think of the six days of creation? Most of us do, right? And the seventh day was the day that the Lord rested. That's all in there. That's in chapter 1. But now we turn to chapter 2 and we get a different perspective. We're looking at the same story, but from a different angle. And it's going to give us the answer to the question, what were we made for? And the first answer we get is, say it with me, potential. We were made for potential. Before there was anything, there was potential. Verse 5, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, no plants had yet sprung up, and the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. There was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The potential is there. But you know as well as I do that we weren't just made for potential. We were also made for the second thing on our list. And that is, what is it? Purpose. We were made for purpose. Verse 7 says, The Lord God formed a man down from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. 
Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Potential that was realized in the Garden of Eden when the man was formed. The word man in Hebrew is derived from the same place as the word ground comes from. And the man was brought into creation with the potential and the purpose to work. If you look back at a couple of verses before, you'll see that while the potential was there, nothing actually grew until God put humanity in. Potential was realized when the man was created and formed with the purpose. The purpose is to work. If I summarize this, I would say that we were made to work. And that's an important thing to say because show of hands, just, just be honest. How many of you, when you envision heaven, imagine yourself getting up every morning and going to work? Some of you are like, what kind of gospel did I come in to tear about? I thought this was the good news of Jesus, right? Like, most of us don't think that way. We don't want to work more than we have to. We don't want to work on the weekends. We, we spend our entire lives in our culture, right, working toward a season of time we call retirement, hoping we'll get there, and we won't have to go to work anymore. In our minds, the greatest thing that could happen to us would be that we would become independently wealthy, not just because you could buy lots of nice things, but because if you had lots and lots of money, you would never have to go to work ever again. And so I, I know we all feel that way, and I have to point out to you as we read this account of creation in the biblical story, work comes before chapter 3. Chapter 3 is when we read about the fall and the entrance of sin and all of those things. And before that, we see Adam and Eve were made to work, which means work in and of itself is not sinful. It is not a bad thing. Now, the pain that we get in working is a result of the fall, but work itself is good. You and I were made with potential and with a purpose to contribute something to to God's created world. And that may or may not align with what you do every day when you wake up and you go to work. That might or might not be true, but it is true that God made you to do something. And I, I thought about that just last weekend when I heard the news that uh, Jimmy Buffett passed away. Do you have any Jimmy Buffett fans? Anybody here saw him out at Alpine Valley? He played lots and lots of shows out there. Uh, I'm a little young to be a parrot head, I know. Um, but when I was in high school, I worked in a marina for a summer. And that's all they, I mean, any marina anywhere, right? Like that is the track, is Jimmy Buffett. And I loved it. And so I listened to a lot of Jimmy Buffett music. And when he passed away, I found myself really sad. And, and, and I started to read about his life. I didn't know anything about him other than his music. And there were all these articles. Christianity Today, I read an article. Uh, the title was, It's Eden Somewhere. Uh, the editor-in-chief actually grew up just a town or two over from Jimmy Buffett. Huge Jimmy Buffett fan. And then I read another article. This one was written before he passed away back in 2018. And the title of it is in the New York Times was, Jimmy Buffett Does Not Live 
the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle. Jimmy Buffett does not live the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle. I don't know if some of you knew this, but, but Jimmy Buffett left behind the life of careless drinking on the beach years and years ago when he got his initial success from his, his first few songs, and that was his drive and desire to work was stronger than the drive and desire to sit on a beach somewhere. And so he exchanged the life that he sang about for the life of work. It involved uh, playing concerts and writing songs, but it also included building bars and restaurants and merchandise and even producing Broadway musicals. He shared the message, it's five o'clock somewhere, by working. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but I find it ironic that the guy whose message is that didn't stop working at 5 o'clock, don't you? He didn't. And I don't want to make the claim that his musical contribution to the world was inherently biblical. I asked Jennifer at the first service if Margaritaville is in our hymnals. I don't. Has anybody looked since then? I think maybe it's going to get into the next one. I don't know. She wasn't really excited about that. But, but it does remind us... That back in Genesis, there's something true that we're learning, that we were made for potential and purpose. We were made for work. And yet, even with potential and purpose, we are nothing without the third thing that we're made for, and that is provision. We were made for potential purpose and provision, like a vehicle that needs fuel to drive down the road. We need sustenance to be able to do what it is that God has made us to do, which is why verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. I love this because the trees can't grow without the man, and the man can't grow without the trees. You see how God is laying out the created order of things? It is two-way provision, interconnectedness, but also says, verse 17, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Which brings us to the one thing on the list that we don't like to talk about. We were made for, say it with me, prohibition. We were made for prohibition. There are things in this world we are not made to do. And I was listening to one of the commentators this week on this passage, and they suggested that it's fascinating that in the midst of this perfect garden, the focus of the first humanity, and it's our focus too, was not on the potential. And it wasn't on the purpose. And it wasn't on the provision that they had everything they need. But immediately their focus went on the one thing they were not made to do. And that tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's a very mysterious thing. There's lots of answers to questions we don't have as to why it's there. But we do know that it's there because it reminds us that we have limits. And we are the ones that suffer as well as the people around us when we push past those limits. And you see that in chapter 3. But we don't even have to look at Genesis to know that we have all inherited that same bug that pushes us to do the things that we were not meant to do. I mean, I think about any of you who have young kids or grandkids. When you tell your child, don't touch this, what do they touch? 
this, right? Like, whatever it is. And, and I love when I say that because adults, they laugh so judgingly. Like, like is if we ever get better, like, let's just be honest, the kids are downstairs. They can't hear you, right? Right? We are not any better. The doctor says, don't eat this. What do you want to eat? This. You look at your, your budget, and it says you can't buy that. What do you want to buy? That. We all want to do the things that we don't want to do. Just one of many examples in my own life, little guilty confession here. We're in the latter parts of the road construction season in the Midwest, right? And my wife, Alyssa, she gets so frustrated with me whenever we're driving and I'm the one driving. And we come up against one of these signs, road closed. And some of you are laughing because you know already what my sin is. Okay, now first of all, let me just be really clear. If it's an active construction zone, I'm not going to drive through that. But how many times do you come up against a road sign like that and you look beyond that and you don't see anything, right? And so as we pull up to the road close sign, she's a rule follower. If it's closed, it's closed. As I pull up to it, I'm going a little faster. <laughs> and I'm looking over it and I'm going, "Do I? is it really closed? Is the bridge really out? <laughs> I mean, my minivan could clear it. It's just a little part of a section they took out, right? And she's saying, Tom, just go around. Don't go down the road closed. And the truth is, more often than not, our minivan was not meant for whatever it is I find on the other side. I would have been better off taking the road that it was made for me to travel. It's just a silly example. I, I feel like there's more of you here who can agree with me and have done this before. The first service, they really judged me. So thank you. I, I appreciate being in the midst of fellow sinners. But anyway, it's a silly example, right? One example that, that we don't like prohibitions. If it says road closed, I want to drive down that road. But it's also a reminder to us that we need other people to tell us this is not the direction you're made to go. In my case, it's my equal partner, my wife. Because the truth is, if you look at the story, eating from the tree is not the only prohibition that we learn. But the second thing that we learn is that we're not made to be alone. We're not made to be alone. That's a prohibition as well. Verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. And we don't have time to read the rest of the passage, but God creates the animals, and it's not about the animals. The helper is Eve, And it leads us to the final thing on our list that we were made for, and that is, say it with me, partnership. We were made for potential, for purpose, for provision, for prohibition. We were made for partnership. Let me summarize that. We were never made to be alone. We need help. And so God creates Eve. And the Hebrew word for helper here is often misinterpreted as if somehow the, the woman has been created just to, to help the man. But the word helper is used in other places in the Old Testament to describe God. Because we don't just need each other, but most of all, we need Him. And so we read, for example, in Psalm 121, verse 1, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from my 
help. Same Hebrew word this comes from is helper in Genesis. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The point is we were never made to live alone. That doesn't mean you have to be married, but we do need each other. And most of all, we need God because the five things that we were made for can be summarized by one thing. You don't have to memorize the five things I shared with you. I want you to memorize the one thing that encapsulates all of them. What were we made for? We were made for what? We were made for love. That's what we were made for. God is love. Love is the motivation behind all the other purposes. Love is the motivation and the reason behind God infusing creation with the potential and purpose that it began with. It's why God provides for our needs and the needs of the world, even the sparrows that fly in the sky. It's because of love. It's love that drives God to the prohibitions, the things that we were not meant to do, just like a parent doesn't want their child to go into harm way and it's love that drew God not to leave us alone and why ultimately he comes back himself in the form of his son Jesus to realize fully the potential that we were made from the very beginning to fulfill by fulfilling it himself we were made for love and it's summarized very simply in 1 John 4.19. We love because God first loved us. And I'll leave you with this. Just one of many examples I see of this in my own life. I was sharing this with somebody just recently here at church, actually. It was the experience of, of welcoming our youngest son, Grayson, into the world. Um, actually, two years ago, tomorrow. Tomorrow is Grayson's birthday, and he's, he's here. He won't know you're, you're cheering for him, but you can say happy birthday to Grayson, right? <laughs> September 11th, we talk about redeeming the day, a day that we all remember, and we pray for those. You remember where you were, and I'll never forget where I was two years ago, as at the very same time, we were inviting this little boy into the world, and God was welcoming him into our family. And what I was sharing with this, this person a couple weeks ago was that of all my kids, the only child that I cried tears of joy, just, just joy, it was really just joy, the moment that he was born, the moment that he was delivered, when I was holding him and all of his goop, and they hadn't cleaned him up yet and all of that stuff, the only one that I cried over in that particular moment was Grayson. And despite now at two what he might think or want to tell you, it's not because he's the favorite. I love all of my children the same. They're all equal. But we have, if you don't know us, we have five kids. We're foster parents, so we've had other kids in our home and in our family over the years that we've loved as our own. And with every child, every single one has been a little bit different. And so the experience of welcoming them into the world is a little bit different. My wife, Alyssa, was very sick with our first two kids, and our first son, Jacob, was very sick himself. And so if there were tears, it was tears of fear and not knowing the unknown of the future 
and all of that stuff. Two of our children have been uh, brought into our family through adoption, through foster care. And so while they were placed in our home as part of our family from the very beginning, it was in the midst of a bunch of things we didn't yet know and challenges we, weren't no, we didn't know we were going to face and both the pain and the beauty that comes in that world. And so every one of them was beautiful, but a different example and an expression of life coming into the world and into our family. And all of it was in my mind by the time Grayson was born. And because I had been through it before multiple times, and I think grandparents get this maybe more than us parents do, because I had been through it before, I knew more about what the sheer gift of grace is that is found in the potential of a newborn child. See, I had seen in front of my eyes the purpose of God and the provision and even the prohibitions playing out in their lives and in my own. I've experienced the hard way that no parent can parent alone. Not only do Alyssa and I need each other, we need to be partnered with our church family. We need to be partnered with our biological family, with our adoptive family, with our foster family. We need our friends. We need our neighbors. We've seen all of that play out one at a time. And so for the first time, I had an awareness when I looked down at this newborn child. I didn't even know him, and yet I knew all of those things. And I cried because he was strangely new and also strangely familiar because I could feel the purpose of life in God's creation, and that is love. And friends, it's not just the story of children. It's the story of all creation. It's the story of all of God's word. It's the big picture. That God so loved the world that he was born into it. As a child that would become a man, would die on the cross and would rise again, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son to love us by restoring the relationship that we were created to have with him and with one another from the very beginning through his death on the cross and his resurrection to eternal life so that not even death can prevent us from doing the thing that we were made by God to do from the very beginning and the thing that we will do for all of eternity and that is to love. Amen? Amen. Written down centuries ago, the greatest story ever told. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. A story about a beautiful and eternal creator, complete in himself, but so full of love that he made creatures to enjoy relationships with him. So God created human beings in his own image. This infinite being took eternity and wove it into tangible strands of earth. But his creation rebelled. Humans didn't think they needed him and tried to go their own way, disrupting the original design of joyful unity with their creator. 
spite of everything, God has never stopped fighting for reunion and restoration. The wages of sin is death, but he knew the way to heal our fractured relationship, for this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his very best. He gave his Son, Jesus, to save the world from its sins. Now, his children, shameless and forgiven, free, loosened from the bonds of sin. The hero of all heroes, the greatest love story ever told.